0: Hello and welcome to the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast for November 9th, 2016. This is your host, Brian Metzer. NHL correspondent for TimesOnline.com. You may also know me from NHL.com. The Penguins Radio Network, all over. I do a little bit of everything and wear many different hats, but one of my favorite things to do is put this show together for you on a weekly basis for TimesOnline.com as we talk Pittsburgh Penguins, National Hockey League, and much more. I may soon be unveiling a theme song for this show, by the way, and uh, it's a song that our good friends in Chip Demonic, you may be familiar with them, they are a Pittsburgh band, uh, they they put the song together for me uh, probably almost a season and a half ago now and yes it's called uh, or it's based on my sign off phrase here on the show be there or be less than circular so we might get that on for you here before uh, too long on the show I'm just trying to work out all of the diff- all the different ways that I want to be able to present audio because I, I I've been I promised you a while back I think sound bites etc. And lots more, and I'd like to be able to do that here on the program, and we've not been able to to this point because of some of the uh, ways I've had to record the show. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that moving into the future, but that's what we call in the biz a tease. And speaking of a tease, let me tell you where you can find this show if you're not already uh, locked in and subscribed to it and know where to get it. First, you can find us at timesonline.com. You can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Stitcher Radio, and of course, you can find us on SoundCloud. I do always appreciate the listen, so please do check us out at all those places. We also have a number of other podcasts available, including Steelers, Pirates, uh, a, uh, the podcast Pawsca- podcast, which talks about some just general... Pop culture things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So please do check that out. You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. If you already aren't following along, please do. I love to interact with you on social media. You can also follow our sports desk at Times Scores, just like it's sounds there it's just spelled out all one word and you can see all of our written word there uh... you know all the stuff i do for the penguins mark madden writes there we provide a ton of great scholastic coverage from our sports department as well as uh... pirates Steelers, Penguins, as I just mentioned, and much, much more. So do check that out. Now, let's jump into some Penguins talk here, since I've already eaten up two and a half minutes of your time with utter gibberish. Uh, speaking of the Penguins, we, we, you know, what can we say? They've been rolling along. I, I still am not overly thrilled with the way they played each and every game that they've um, put forth so far on the young season. But we're not going to complain too much because they're just rolling along. They're uh, among the leaders pretty much in the National Hockey League, in the Eastern Conference, in their division. And that's due uh, to the strength of a very successful road trip. Because as you remember from last week when we got together, we told you that they were out on the West Coast. And we gave a little bit of an homage to Lana Del Rey with her song, West Coast. Well, Penguins did a great job out West. They uh, went 3-1-0 and on the trip. We also saw the first matchup in the careers of Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. That took place just last night. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the road trip, it kicked off uh, with a win over the Philadelphia Flyers, but then it headed out west. Last Wednesday, Penguins put forth a 5-1 thrashing of the Anaheim Ducks with Matt Murray back in the net. He was healthy, chomping at the bit to get in there and play a game. 32 saves. Five different goal scorers. John Gibson, the Pittsburgh native, ugly. Did not play a good hockey game, and he's really got to get himself going out there. He's not been good for the Anaheim Ducks, and uh, that can't be making their team feel very good about themselves right now. But he'll get it together. He's a good goaltender, but he didn't look good in this one. A uh, couple of odd goals. The one that really comes to mind is one of Genny Malkin scored on him. He, he took a slap shot sort of from the right faceoff circle on a one-timer. And Gibson almost looked like he tried to dive forward at the goal. And it's like, you know, just keep your feet, son. Play the angle. Make the save. I don't know what he was thinking or what he was doing unless he was just trying to get side to side and lost his footing. But... The puck went right through and under his body and in the net, not the way... You really uh, want things to go if you're a goaltender trying to make waves in the National Hockey League. But from there, it was on to Los Angeles. Penguins found themselves on a wrong or on the wrong side of a 3-2 overtime decision there. Sidney Crosby scored two more goals in that game. Uh, he has been red hot since returning from his concussion. Uh, the trip ended with a 5-0 thrashing of the San Jose Sharks last Saturday. Murray back in goal for that one after Fleury lost the overtime game. He pitched a 32-save shutout. Two more goals for Crosby. That was four and two games, and he took over the league lead in goal scoring at that point. Now, can Sid maintain that pace? I don't know that he's going to be, you know, scoring well over a goal per game over the course of his season. But he's still maintaining it, even though he was shut out in the head-to-head battle against Connor McDavid Tuesday night at PPG Paints P- uh, Pavi- I always want to call it Pavilion Arena and uh, he wasn't able to get himself on the scoreboard in that game. That wasn't for a lack of trying, though. He had some great looks and some great opportunities. Connor McDavid, on the other hand, he looks to be the real deal. I haven't really been able to watch him play in person as much as I would have liked over the course of his young National Hockey League career. And let me tell you, three assists in the game, amazing speed for a bigger guy. And this is kind of the intriguing thing with him. He almost looks like he moves faster when he has the puck than when he doesn't. He's all over the place. He's setting up teammates. He's making Jordan Eberle look like an all-star again. And he's also getting some great productivity out of his new line mate, Patrick Maroon, who is um, a big... Just piece of humanity. Maroon's the kind of guy that goes hard to the front of the net, built like a fireplug. Picture Milan Lucic, but a couple years younger and uh, maybe a little less skilled than Lucic, but he still can finish. And we saw that against the Penguins on Tuesday night when McDavid found him for a nice uh, bang-bang play that uh, put the uh, Oilers in really good position in the game. But the Penguins were able to, to roar back and win the game And no one thought of it this way because I was making election jokes all night even on the Penguins broadcast saying that, you know, the race between McDavid and Crosby, McDavid leads it with three assists. Crosby's negative or his minus two, but it's too early to call. No results yet available. And that was the case because Crosby and the Penguins did go on to win the hockey game. So I'm glad we didn't call it early in favor of McDavid, but at least in terms of the head-to-head, he took care of his business. But what nobody wanted to talk about is it was also the battle of the Connors. Connor Sheary, that is, against Connor McDavid of the Oilers. Connor Sheary was a standout player for the Penguins on Tuesday night. He had his second two goal game uh, over the course of his career, including the game winner with just, I believe it was 132 left in regulation when he scored to put the Penguins up 4 to 3. And that now gives him uh, seven points in six games this season, three goals, four assists. Great to see Connor Sheary getting it going like that, and uh, they they had a little fun with him post game. I was sitting there asking him a couple questions, but I wasn't going to go, uh, you know, out on the lame ledge and ask the Connor question, but. Uh, some folks weren't ashamed to ask that question because when you're looking for fluff, that's what you do. And they asked him uh, in the Battle of the Connors, in the Battle of uh, the Conner, did he win the battle, showing that it's actually spelled the right way because he spells his with one N as opposed to McDavid, who spells his with two. They also asked him if people really were coming to watch the Battle of the Conners. And he goes, I don't think many people were watching that. Uh, it was a good effort from everyone tonight, a good comeback win for us and an important two points. So I asked him if he was a little, not starstruck, but I mean, if it's just a little overwhelming for a younger guy and just a player that is a little bit more down the depth chart to go out there and and get caught up in the limelight of uh, a Crosby versus McDavid game. And he slapped me right the heck down and said, you get a little wide eyed in your first you're in the league, maybe your first couple games. I'm, it's, I'm in my second season now. That, that, That's just child's play. That doesn't bother me. So, sorry, Connor. Didn't mean to upset you or, or uh, to insult. I was just saying, you know, when all eyes are trained on Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid, it might be easy to get caught up in all of that and say, hey, you know, I'm here. This is kind of a neat opportunity for me to play with these players. But uh, he was having none of it. He, he shut me right down, as I said. So good for you, Connor. You're coming a long way, and, or you've come a long way. And I apologize almost for um, writing the piece I did about you over the um, right ahead of training camp when I suggested that maybe you weren't uh, going to be able to live up to the hype that was set for you this year in terms of being a top six forward. However, if you go back and review the piece, I did say that he compared very favorably Marty St. Louis, previously of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Uh, he started his career with the Calgary Flames and the New York Rangers, and we all know how his career turned out. Just got his number uh, raised to the rafters, or he will get his number raised to the rafters in Tampa Bay this season, and probably a surefire Hall of Famer. Now, a couple just odds and ends I wanted to talk about, because... I don't want to dwell on too many issues with the team right now. Things are are rolling forward the way you want them to. I think the biggest uh, thing you see is the the question about the goaltending, which I'll talk about a little later because I have a tweet to that effect. That um, sorry, I almost uh, I, I was attacked by a it was like almost a yawning jag, even though it didn't really set in. <clears throat> Anyways, the uh, we'll talk about the goalies a little bit later. Uh, A couple other questions about some things that happened in the Edmonton game that I'll address as well. But generally speaking, there's not a whole lot of question marks with the Penguins right now. They're they're playing pretty well, all things considered. Still maybe not putting forth a 60-minute effort each and every game. But at the same time... It's worked out pretty effectively for them. So I don't want to beat them up too much like I did during our first program of the season. And we'll just say that, you know, it's a work in progress. We'll see how it works out. Should mention that Tom Sestito, who was reassigned to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton the other day, has been recalled already, back up with the big club. And I think that he'll get a chance to um, probably get himself back in the lineup here in short order. Uh, he, he didn't really deserve to be taken out. I thought he was playing pretty well. I uh, was doing some nice things for the team, going the net hard. I set up a Matt Cullen goal just last week that was really impressive, so I think he will get his chance to play again. But I wanted to mention that recall. One thing that I, I am curious for your take on, and you can tweet me on this, at Brian underscore Metzer, is Phil Kessel fully out of his shell now in Pittsburgh? Has he gotten out of that limelight that was going on up in Toronto? Is he feeling just confident and comfortable with his role here in Pittsburgh? Because I don't know what it would it would it's been since but I I guess since he won the Stanley Cup he's been off and running here. He he won the cup. He was making comments on on his social media. Oh, no that was a yawn. I apologize. I di- I didn't mean to do that but I was up until the wee hours of the morning after the game last night following along with all the presidential action because, as you know, the uh, the presidential race came to an end Tuesday night. and We're not talking about that here, obviously, but that is a big-time excuse for why I'm sitting here getting a, a case of the yawns. Anyways, I apologize for that. Very rude and inconsiderate of your friendly neighborhood host. But um, Kessel wins the Cup. He's tweeting all summer, uh, more than he ever has. I think he had tweeted three times over the course of the last year and a half Uh, prior to winning the Cup, and now he's tweeted just regularly since becoming a member of the Penguins. The thing is, I I think the final moment that really pulled him out of his shell was uh, Barack Obama really just making mention of the fact that Phil Kessel was a Stanley Cup champion when the Penguins went to the White House. That was a cool moment for all involved, and I think that that seemed to get him going so much so that I think Phil Kessel threw his name in the race uh, for the presidential election. I mean, just this uh, past couple of days, I saw on social media he and all of his teammates wearing Kessel in sixteen t-shirts, and uh, it was it was just amazing to see the way he was really hyping it up. He was all happy. He's he's posing for these photos with his teammates. Uh, Chris Letang was involved with these photos, a couple other teammates as well. Uh, just a lot of fun to see. So uh, what is your thought on this? What's going on with Phil Kessel? Is he out of his shell? Is he now just um, a real boy, if you will? He's, he's no longer a, a brooding uh, misunderstood character that was a goal scorer from Toronto, and the Buff, uh, the Boston Saber, uh, Boston Sabers, the Boston Bruins. Prior to that, what's the deal? What's your take, Phil Kessel, out of his shell and full in Pittsburgh? And what do you think of the new and improved Phil Kessel? Do you like this uh, happier, more friendly version of him? I certainly do. I think it's been a lot of fun to see him in action, uh, the way he's been. Now, we did see this debate rage with Crosby versus McDavid on Tuesday night. And let me tell you, I I think pretty strongly about this. Not that Connor McDavid is not already one of the best hockey players on the planet. He's outstanding. Great speed, great width, like reach. He's got this pterodactyl-like reach that he can just pick off pucks all over the ice. He can defend well. He has the great speed I just mentioned. He can get end-to-end quicker than many players. I'm not ready to anoint him as the best player in the National Hockey League. A lot of my peers are willing to do so. And to me, I get it. He, he He's he's excellent. He's uh taken over the mantle as youngest captain in NHL history. He's just 19 years old. He's rolling up point after point after point. He picked up three points against the Penguins last night. Well over a point a game player. Just it makes his, his teammates better. Well... There's still another guy right here in Pittsburgh that is vying, if not taking control of that mantle, uh, as the best player in the world in the National Hockey League. And I think that's Sidney Crosby still, based on what we've seen over the last 10, 12, 15 months here. Yes, he didn't start last season the way that he wanted, but then again, a number of players have ebbs and flows in their seasons. Let's mention here Patrick Kane, who everybody wanted to anoint Anoint as the best player in the league had uh, a couple big time dips in his play last season and he's not necessarily uh picking up right where he left off last year or this year. Yes, he's having a very good season and he's playing pretty well offensively and his center Artem Isimov is leading the league uh, among the league leaders in scoring, but uh you you know, it's just it's not as easy to just say this guy is the best. I think Sidney Crosby for my money is still the best all-around player in the National Hockey League. He's showing a goal-scoring touch that probably people didn't give him enough credit for, even though he has won a Rocket Richard trophy. He is a top playmaker in the league. One of the best leaders in the league, one of the best, just pretty much defensive forwards in the league as well. And if you need any more proof, I was talking to my my good friend and yours, Scott Burnside, the excellent NHL columnist for ESPN.com. Just last night, he joined me on the intermission report uh, for the Penguins broadcast, and um, you know I've had some interesting conversations with Scott over the years because he he loves our city, spent some time here, and. Uh, during the playoffs uh, specifically, and he's been known to occasionally share an adult beverage with other scribes here in town, and I've been lucky enough to join him in that capacity, and he just said to me last night that he talked with Wayne Gretzky, who knows a little bit about being the best player on the planet, just last week in a piece he was writing for ESPN.com about Crosby and McDavid, and Gretzky told him, For his money, Crosby still on top. Still sitting on top of the mountain as best player on the planet. That's going to change in the probably semi-near future because, believe me, Connor McDavid is right there. Patrick Laine is right there. Austin Matthews right there. I mean, a number of players are going to be vying for this spot. But Sidney Crosby, he's the man. He's the guy right now for my money. Now, I should mention a programming note, if you will, for your Penguins viewing for the week. Uh, If you're going to PPG Paints Arena for the game on Thursday night at 7 p.m., against the Minnesota Wild. That's one day before Veterans Day, and the Penguins will honor military heroes on that night before and during the game against the Wild. The tribute will start Thursday morning when 12 post-9-11 veterans are going to attend the morning skate and have lunch in Sweet 66. Now, you know, if you've ever seen this, and if you haven't, I can tell you, Sweet 66 is beautiful. So I think that's awesome. They're going to let these vets uh, spend some time there. Each of those 12 vets are going to receive personalized Penguins jerseys from a player following the skate, and among the groups participating will be the Veterans Leadership Program of Western PA, Team Red, White, and Blue. The mission continues, the Global War on Terror Memorial Foundation, and and, uh, PA serves. At the game Thursday night, the Penguins are also, and this is kind of a powerful symbol. I was kind of, uh, I was impressed by this, and that's why I, I wanted to share the whole message. Um, At the game Thursday night, the Penguins will reserve one empty seat as a seat of honor in memory of those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, as well as those who continue to serve our country away from home. The seat will be located in section 116, row X, seat 11. So a pretty classy move by the Pittsburgh Penguins to um, hold a seat of honor for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice and uh, those who continue to serve. So I wanted to mention that to you. Penguins are also going to wear special camo jerseys during the pregame warm-up, and they then will auction those off to benefit the Veterans Leadership Program of Western PA. The online auction is going to open Thursday night, continue through November 21st over at PittsburghPenguins.com. Many other initiatives to honor military heroes are planned for the Thursday night game. And here are a few of them. A Veterans Day-themed opening video will be used in place of the traditional pregame video. I, for one, am all in favor of that because, let's be blunt, the video itself is nice. The song, it's gotta go. I don't like it at all. its I, I can't remember the name of the band now. And i it's probably because I'm blocking it out because I don't care for the song. And you know it. Let's go, let's go. No, no, no. I don't want to let's go, let's go. You had so many great songs over the years. That one's just really, it just grates my nerves. I hate it. I think I speak for a lot of folks out there. Now, maybe I don't, because I've found out in the past few weeks that some of my opinions on matters like this don't necessarily match up with the masses. But I'm going to tell you, I, I don't need to hear, let's go, let's go. I want something else. I want new songs. So having a Veterans Day themed opening video, that's going to be really good for me. I'm I'm excited about that. Vietnam Veterans Incorporated of Pittsburgh will present the Kellers and the National Anthem will be performed by the Brass Roots. World War II jeeps will be parked outside the People's Trib Total Media, and Veterans—or I mean Verizon Gate—prior to the game. Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall and Museum will present a special exhibit in the Highmark Wall of Champions hallway. That's right behind Section 112. That pays tribute to post-9/11 veterans. Each branch of service will be honored with a special uniform display. There also will be a video featuring names, photos, and hometowns for more than 300 Pennsylvania veterans who gave their lives fighting for the war, or fighting the war on terror. The Penguins will host defending the Blue Line, uh, United Heroes League, and the Sydney Crosby Charity Suite, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, and the Ev- Evgeny Malkin Charity Suite, and the groups that attended the morning skate in the Jim Beam Party Suite. Fans are encouraged to use hashtag pens Thanks, leading up to and during Thursday night's game, to honor a hero. Share a photo with an active duty, uh, or share a photo with an active duty, whoa, whoa, whoa. My computer's uh, jumping around here. Sorry. But uh, as you use that hashtag to um, share a photo with an active-duty reserve veteran or retired service member to show your appreciation for all their sacrifices for our freedom. Also, remember, the Penguins are proud to offer discounted tickets to active-duty reserve veteran and retired service members and first responders in partnership with govx.com. Simply visit pittsburghpenguins.com slash military tickets to learn more. Now, apologize for all that info, but I feel like it was an important piece of information that you need to know about the game tomorrow. I wanted to spend a little time talking about a former Penguins draft pick who was highly touted, and interestingly enough, the Penguins may not have a chance to get to the Stanley Cup final in 2008 without him. Even if they did go on to lose that final, it still was fun to get there, and uh, they went out in six games to the Detroit Red Wings. But, what people sometimes forget is Angelo Esposito, the 20th overall draft pick in the first round back in 2007 for the Penguins, who previously was earmarked as a number one, like a top prospect overall people thought he would go number one overall in this draft just two years prior and unfortunately for him it started to crash and burn a little bit heading into his draft and it sounds like it's just gone downhill ever since he left Pittsburgh but uh, the reason I bring him up is I found an interesting article uh, this afternoon right before recording the show that talked about some of the ups and downs of Angelo Esposito's career and he's finally given up pro hockey and sort of ridden off into the sunset without ever playing a game in the National Hockey League a regular season game that is which is kind of sad now we should mention 20th overall in 07 Angelo Esposito in 05 rolled up in just 57 games 39 goals and 98 points That was one of the first years that everybody said, "Uh uh-oh, this guy is going to be the man. What sometimes people overlook is that he was playing with Alexander Radulov, who's now back in the National Hockey League playing for the Montreal Canadiens after going to the Nashville Predators, um, going back to Russia, coming back, going back to Russia, now back to the NHL. But in 05-06, Radulov was unbelievable. He played 62 games with Esposito that year. He scored 61 goals and 152 points. And some of that, I think, really helped um, Angelo Esposito put up the 98 points that he did in 05-06. The next season, he... Played sixty games and scored just twenty-seven goals and seventy-nine points. Then he played one more year in uh, with the Quebec Remparts, scoring thirty goals and sixty-nine points in fifty-six games. Now the bad thing here for a player like this is, when you're on the radar as a top overall draft pick, almost two full years ahead of your draft year. Now Sidney Crosby was in this category. Uh, Connor McDavid clearly was in this category. I think a guy like Jack Eichel was in that conversation a little bit during the uh, rise of Connor McDavid. And you saw it again with Austin Matthews now of the Toronto Maple Leafs. These guys, they're on the radar for a handful of years leading up to their draft year. Well, for Esposito, scouts loved him. They thought he was going to be a great player, great two-way kind of guy, very offensively gifted. But what happened was, after that 98-point season in 5 The scouts sort of tore him, they they started tearing his game apart because when you watch something a little bit too long, and I guess this happens in life with a lot of different things, you spend too much time looking at it and focusing on it and trying to, you know, just read and react to every little thing that happens, you get to the point where you sometimes pick something apart. You start to find flaw maybe where it isn't even there. Well, then they start putting out these bad scouting reports on Angelo Esposito, which NHL teams obviously were following along with. He didn't maybe have the best set of interviews with all teams, and he started to slide right down... On draft day, where folks thought he could be at number one, they thought he could be a top five, they thought he could be a top ten, he doesn't go until number 20 overall to the Penguins, and I remember at the time being over the moon, because we were thrilled here in Pittsburgh, we're thinking, okay, great, this kid uh, has all the talent in the world, we, we're getting a steal at number 20, well, not so not so fast, yes, yes, the good news is, he was still highly thought of enough that we were able to use him here in Pittsburgh, and I say we just in general as a as a market, use him as fodder in a trade to acquire Marion Hossa. And without that, I don't think the Penguins get to that 08 Stanley Cup, maybe don't have a team that gets to the 09 Cup, you never know. But, because they also got uh, Pascal Dupuis in that trade, and we all know Dupuy, uh, what can we say about him? He, he's he been an outstanding Penguin ever since, and you don't have Pascal probably unless uh, this trade happens. Well, I just wanted to mention Esposito because his career has really taken some weird turns. He's been to Europe. He's been to the ECHL. He's been trying to go to the AHL. He's been all over trying to find a foothold to play some hockey. And unfortunately, after a one-game go-round with the Fort Wayne Comets in the ECHL, it looks like... Angelo Esposito is definitely done with his professional hockey career. And uh, this was in the 14-15 season that that's happened. But um, there was a great uh, column on ESPN that I found that they caught up with him and they're talking about all this. That's why I was sharing it today. And uh, in that game that was his only game in the ECHL with the Fort Wayne Comets, the Comets scored four third-period goals to force overtime against the Indian uh, the Indy Fuel before winning in a 9 round shootout. Great way to kick off that 14-15 season, but unfortunately, that wasn't enough to keep Angelo Esposito in the fold. He was unfortunately uh just a little un un uh or displeased with his performance. He let his coach know the next day he wasn't going to go He wasn't going to stay with the team. He was going to return home to Montreal. And uh, his pro hockey career came to an end at that point. Esposito had this to say about that go-round in the East Coast League. He goes, I went to the East Coast, and during that first game, I didn't feel comfortable anymore playing. I thought to myself, maybe it's time I moved on. Uh, he's now 28 years old. Uh, or no, it says he's now 27. I was thinking that uh, he was 27 at the time he played there. And he said, honestly, the first month, I did not I did absolutely nothing, and that's when he first left hockey. I didn't step on the ice until December, and then I started playing with my buddies in their beer league just for fun. He decided to try and make a comeback to pro hockey because... Uh, Clearly, you get that bug, you know, in your backside that says, you know, I can still do this. So he tried to give it a go-round, and unfortunately, it just it didn't work out. Um, I just I feel bad for this kid just because it didn't turn into a good situation. Now, you may you may have heard of Chuck Grillo, who has a, been a longtime Penguin scout. He is also a longtime just scout of professional hockey players. He's discovered some real gems. He's one of the guys that first saw Sidney Crosby play as a 7-year-old. And put him on the map. Well, he said, we were happy to get him. He did enough as a young man to show he deserved to go in the first round. Patrick Waugh, I talked extensively with him. He was a big fan of his. You could tell he was sincere when he talked about him. And unfortunately, though, just Esposito continued to have everything go against him. Um, he, he did get to play in one preseason game for the Penguins that season. Uh, it was against the Montreal Canadiens, and he said, all my family and all my friends came to the game. It was a great feeling, but he did get traded to the Atlanta Thrashers in that deal for Marion Hossa, as I mentioned a moment ago, and uh, it just it hasn't worked out for him. I mean, after he was dealt in that deal in 09, or I mean in 08, sorry, he just uh, never really was able to get a foothold in the Thrashers organization or beyond, and his career, as I said, has taken him all over the globe. He said... Um, He had another quote here. He said, The last few years had just been a lot of downs and disappointments, so it was good just to get a little break. He took some time off from hockey. Obviously, I was a first-round draft pick and not playing in the NHL. It's not something you're proud of, but at the same time, it's part of my career. He won't use any of this as excuses. He did have a very bad ACL injury as well. He spent time rehabbing his knee. Then he tore his hip labrum. Uh, It was just injury after injury. He went and played... Over in Finland after the uh, or during the 2012 lockout, he tore his MCL in his other knee at that point. And by the time he came back from that, his time uh, to maybe make a run at the NHL was over. He played a little bit over in Italy and Australia or Austria, sorry. I read that wrong, but he played in Austria, which, I mean, some guys are happy doing that, but a first-round pick sometimes just, it's not what they want to be doing. He went and tried that one game in Fort Wayne, and that was it. And he said there was a lot of baggage that had to be sorted out. Um, Scott Livingston, an athletic therapist who worked with him, had this to say about Esposito. He said there was a lot of baggage that had to be sorted out. He was pretty down. He had gone through a lot of things as far as expectations early on in his career. Things didn't work out, and he had injuries. He was in a fairly dark place when I started with him, so... That's just uh, very disappointing. Now, the good news is Esposito seems to be comfortable with where he is at this point in his career. Um, He went and played in Italy for a little bit. He tried the Czech League. He bounced all over. Um, Just not what you want to be doing. So I think he's officially done now. And this is what he had to say uh, as a final word here. Am I disappointed that I haven't played a game in the NHL? Of course I am. Who wouldn't be? But you have to accept it and you have to move on if I'm going to sit here and think back about why I didn't do this, I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. And that's what he said about trying to make his comeback whenever he did. And he goes, right now I'm enjoying uh, life playing some hockey. I'm going to enjoy it as long as I can. Once that's over, then I'm going to find something else to be successful in. Maybe I didn't play in the NHL, but I'll find something else to be successful in. Um, It's... Just, uh it's sad when you see a guy crash and burn the way that Angelo Esposito did. So, thanks for humoring that. I just wanted to talk a little bit about him because he had all-world talent. It just goes to show, sometimes even the most pedigreed player cannot get a foothold in the National Hockey League and it doesn't work out. Quickly, let's get some Twitter questions going here for you. And, of course, you know where the first one comes from. My man, Chris Needlesheel, always coming through with a question. And he has this to say. I'm a Flurry guy, and Murray is the real deal. It's not a perfect scenario, but can the Pens keep both goalies long-term? Well, now, we talked about this a couple times so far. I feel like they're going to find a way to keep each as long as they want to, but that's a slippery slope. How on earth do you keep two guys that fancy themselves as number one goaltenders happy? It's not easy to do. You have a situation where Marc-Andre Fleury is going to want to play, you have a situation where Matt Murray's going to want to play. Right now, Murray's played two in a row. Fleury played nine in a row to start the season, as you know, before Murray came back. So, how's this all going to go? I don't know. I mean, uh, ego's going to start to step into the equation. I think um, both guys are very capable of helping this team win. Right now, the team seems to be playing a little bit better in front of Matt Murray for whatever reason, and... I don't know that that's because they've gotten more of a comfort level with thinking that Flurry can bail them out in some tough spots. I mean, Matt Murray's bailed them out too. So I, I think that they will try to retain both guys as long as, as it is actually just possible to do so without it being a problem or a distraction. After that, Um, maybe you see somebody get traded, and it's more than likely going to be Marc-Andre Fleury. But for right now, yes. I mean, Jim Rutherford said, I want to keep both guys. He intends to do that, so he's going to roll forward. Now, one thing I did get from uh, Phil Bork last night, he talked about this, and you may have heard it as well. Great quote from Mike Sullivan. He said he talks with Mike Bales all the time about working out the uh, schedule for the goaltenders by looking forward on the the calendar, etc. And he goes, we do have a schedule marked down but it's written in pencil, meaning it can change on a dime. So that means performance really plays into this. So does Marc-Andre Fleury come out and play with a swagger and try and earn more playing time? Yes. Does Matt Murray do it? Yes. And I think that's what's going to happen moving forward. You're just going to see this be a a battle between two talented hockey players, and we'll see who comes out the other end of this as the full-time starting goaltender of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But right now they have two of them. Um, We have a question here from Jefferson, and I stole this from the intermission report because I liked it. He said, when you're getting a lot of chances, but they wind up in your net when you miss, how do you stay in the game psychologically? Because if you watch the Edmonton Penguins game on Tuesday night, almost every chance the Penguins had to score and did not, it went right the other way, and it resulted in a glowing scoring chance for the Edmonton Oilers, and pretty much all three of their goals came in situations like that. So, um, I asked Phil Bork about it. He said that, for the most part, you've just got to buckle it in or buckle up and go out, dial it in, and play your game. You can't get yourself down in those situations, and you use it as motivation to come back and want to get yourself on the scoreboard. Also talked to Sidney Crosby about it post-game, saying, how tough is that? And he goes, well, we knew that's the kind of team they were. They would take advantage of your mistakes, take advantage of those opportunities, and transition with speed. We just did what we needed to do to take them out of playing that style of hockey. And by the end, they started to be able to do it. He said, but he did say it's very frustrating when you're scoring opportunity. He goes, well, first he said, it's frustrating enough when you don't cash in on your opportunity, but it's even more so when it turns into a goal the other way. But I think these guys are professional enough to overcome it and do what they need to do to not get too down. But uh, I like that question. I thought that was a good one. So that brings us to News of the Weird. Yes, you know we can't let you out of here without News of the Weird. And this one's great. Do you like Kit Kats? I, I, Yarmir Yager used to love Kit Kats, by the way. It was his favorite candy when he was a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't know that it, if he still is a fan of Kit Kat. I'll have to ask Paul Steigerwald because uh, he talks to him fairly regularly. But is, uh, is he still a fan of Kit Kat? Not the story we're talking about here. But I know a kid who is, it's a college student from Manhattan, uh, Kansas. This guy, he had his Kit Kat stolen and the company hooked him up. Hershey, that is. It says Hershey has come to the rescue of a college student who had his Kit Kat bar brazenly stolen. Kansas State University student Hunter Jobbins told the Wichita Eagle he left his car unlocked with a Kit Kat in the cup holder last month before running into his dorm building. When he came back... The candy bar had been replaced with a note. The thief wrote, I love Kit Kat, so I checked your door and it was unlocked. Did not take anything other than the Kit Kat. I'm sorry and hungry. This sounds like a social media stunt to me, but anyway. Jobin's picture of the note went viral on Twitter. Huzzah! There it is. And Hershey responded by sending a representative to the campus with 6,500 Kit Kat bars. Jobbins stuffed the bars in his car and handed them out around campus last week. So you know, it's just, uh, it's great, and you can't talk Kit Kat without this, and you know, if you know me at all, you know where I'm going, give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar, there it is, of course, jingles, my head is full of them, I hope it's now stuck in your head, and you're singing the Kit Kat song, through the rest of this uh, rainy afternoon, and all the live long day moving forward, with that, that's going to do it for this week, this edition of the timesonline.com, Pittsburgh Penguins Podcast. I appreciate you being here as always. Full schedule this week. We'll have a lot to talk about when we reconvene next Wednesday. But thanks for listening as always. I hope you will be back next Wednesday because we will, and you better be there or be less in circular for the Times Online, Pittsburgh Penguins Podcast.